Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. Jay, how are you doing? I am doing excellent today, Britton. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Wishing for some rain here in northeastern Oregon. You know, we definitely do need some rain on all over Oregon. I am not having another fire season again. (laughs) I refuse to evacuate. Um, I'm we're staring at a very hot summer and it's very dry. So we're just going to hope and pray for the bre- for the best um, and for the breast, I guess, because yes. words are hard this morning. Um, we can pray for all of that. And something else along those lines is um, fire safety. I nearly burned down my damn house like two, three days ago uh, with a candle spell that it melted two, two, count them, two pairs of scissors. We. Um, yeah. So make sure you all have fire safety things in place. The only reason why I'm not dead is because when I leave, I put all my candles into a giant metal stock pot that is enormous. And so they are safe in there. And I highly recommend everybody out there, if you are listening to this, I do not care how long you've been a witch. I do not care if you are your deity's favorite. Buy a fire extinguisher. Fire safety is important. Fire safety is so, so important, y'all. Don't burn your house down. (laughs) Do it. All right. Now we have a very, very special guest today. Uh, I have been telling you all that I come from a magical family, and you know what? I have proof now. (laughs) Uh, I am in bringing on my cousin Nadine, who is a fascinating fairy of an individual. Uh, She does quantum hypnosis, past life regression. Uh, channeling, healing, all of the amazing things that we're going to get to talk about today. And so welcome onto the show, Nadine. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome. Uh, It is wonderful, wonderful to have you here. Now, before we started this podcast episode, you were telling us about yesterday. So today is what? Today is the 21st of April. You all are listening to this in the future. Um, you were telling us about a solar flare we just had. Can, can you give us a lowdown on that again? Yes. So we had an M-class flare. What this does is it affects the body's molecular structure by changing the vibration of kind of how the atoms, the molecules, everything is spinning. Because everything has a vibration, everything has a rotation. And everything is also affected by the energy coming in. So this is solar energy, this is cosmic energy, this is even spiritual energy. You can look at it at any perspective. So when we get a flare, like an M-class flare, you're looking at high energy waves hitting you, kind of as if you were standing in an ocean, just kind of standing there, and the waves were just kind of battering into you. And they kind of knock you sideways. They don't knock you all the way over, but sometimes it's not super comfortable. Sometimes you get salt water in your mouth and you know, you're sputtering <laughs> and spitting. Yeah. It's in your so nose. That's what it's everywhere. A really intense solar flare can do for you mm. is it can kind of knock you sideways and leave you kind of sputtering and spitting. And you're like, whoa, that wave like came out of nowhere. I didn't even see that coming. That is like a solar flare. That's kind of how it affects you. We also have other things like CMEs, cosmic rays. We also have the galactic sheet impact. So one of the things we've been dealing with in the last week to two weeks is we had galactic sheet impact. We had a stealth CME that just kind of like popped and hit us out of nowhere. And then we had the M-class flare. So if you've been feeling kind of a little bit off, like you can't get grounded, mm-hmm. uh, maybe an uptick in visions, spiritual activity, uh, just noticing that you're seeing more out of the side of your eyes, you're seeing energy more easily, you're seeing people's auras more easily. This is all because when the energy comes in, it, it opens and expands the pineal gland, the crown chakra, works a lot with the, the heart and the solar plexus. So this all affects your psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. So if you're tuning in or tapping into or just starting to access your, your psychic abilities, when we have a solar flare, a geomagnetic storm, an energy wave, 
that comes through, you're going to feel an uptick in your abilities. So if you're clairvoyant, you're going to have an uptick in your visions. If you're clairaudient, you're going to start hearing more. You're going to hear more. You're, you're going to maybe be able to hear a little bit clearer. You're also going to get more distortion. You have to be aware this is why psychic protection is super important during these waves. You're feeling off. Do some grounding, do some protection work, salt baths, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and rest. Because ultimately, when you're getting hit with these waves, you can only do so much to get it to, you know, to clear. Sometimes yeah. you just need to sleep it out. <laughs> right. I've had like two pots of coffee. I've had like eight cups of coffee today and I'm still feeling really sluggish. I'm just like, I cannot get my engines revved up today. So that makes sense. What was going on yesterday? Yeah. Especially with the psychic stuff too. I have had a lot of activity in that realm the last few days and it's, it's been very strange where I'm like, why, why here? Why now? So that makes a lot of sense. And I love um, getting to talk with you because, you know, both you and I are such spiritual, mystical beings, but, but we're on such vastly different ends of the spectrum, which is why I think it's so neat because like, I'm like this weird little like dirty folk witch and you're like this intergalactic space fairy and I'm, I'm just so in love with it. I love uh, that. Yeah. So one of the things I want to kind of dive into first is that, you know, our, our family across the board, all of us as cousins, especially kind of like in our specific generation of cousins, are all very kind of tuned in. You know, we have all of our aunts and, you know, our, our grandma and, and even our great grandma, all this stuff. We're all very kind of spiritual people. And so we didn't really know each other as as children, children. But do, do you remember as a kid when or I guess, you know, whenever it might not have been as a kid, but wh- when did you realize that you're like, oh, something, something's different here. <laughs> um, I may not be the same as everyone around me. When, when was your kind of clue in period there? I think I kind of always thought I was different. It was a big shadow. It was an issue for me for a long time that affected my self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had a huge imagination. Um, I always talked a lot about stuff that I wasn't supposed to know (laughs) (laughs) because I would just know things, but I didn't know how to explain how I knew them. I had a lot of like prophetic dreams. I would have dreams where I had superpowers, um, where I could control the weather and stuff like that. Um, So I had these beliefs that I could like bring people back from the dead and control the weather and do all that, that kind of stuff. So I used to do that when I was a kid. And I developed such a connection with the elemental energies just through play as a child that I could actually begin manipulating weather and stuff like that and, and things around me, plant life and, and see it manifesting before me. And so I was like, you know, magic is real, <laughs> but I always thought I was just like, you know, very imani- imaginative. And then I got older and I started kind of shutting all that down. Mm -hmm. As soon as I started shutting down my abilities is when the headaches and the migraines started coming in really bad. I was getting sick a lot. I was having stomach problems. I just got very ill. Um, And it was a big, huge process of just breaking down over... 15 or 20 years from when it started from when I kind of just started shutting everything down to when I decided to start kind of opening things back up where I started doing music. This, I guess you could say it was around 2012. I know everybody's like, Oh, the world ended in 2012. But for right. me, that was when I kind of stepped into um, I, identifying with myself as different. So the way I would hear and write music was very different, but I allowed myself to integrate that part of myself. And so that was when I started wanting to understand things. So I got into quantum physics and um, started watching like YouTube videos like Michio Kaku and stuff like that and got really into understanding like particle observation and how particles react based on observation and just trying to dive in why that was. And it just rabbit hole after rabbit hole, you watch enough videos on quantum physics, you start getting into the spiritual aspects of things. 
So it was actually science that broke me into spirituality. I wanted to start understanding, you know, quantum, multiverse, multidimensionality, everything beyond this third dimension, this one realm. Because I always felt, you know, because, you know, you look back on when you were a kid and you're like, oh, the world was so magical. I could spend a day in a field and have these adventures. But it's like, why can't I do that anymore? So trying to understand more about that. So it kind of dove me into the realms of the mind, the subconscious, the imagination, how that all works together. And so through trying to understand the mind, through trying to understand my own identity, because I was confused about who I was as a person, as an identity, who, how do I identify with myself? I couldn't identify with anything. I couldn't even identify with a gender. I was having a hard time with all of that. So I was like, that's what started the whole, I need to figure out what all of this is, the bigger picture. So I started taking myself out, out of like an individual perspective and started looking at patterns of personality. That's what got me into archetypes. So I started looking at archetypes and that's what brought me back into the unconscious mind. And so through kind of back and forth of spirituality, science and psychology kind of brought me to where I am now working with like neuro-linguistic programming, quantum hypnosis, light language, channeling, mediumship, like all of that was all kind of, it's like ping-ponging back and forth to these different things, but they were all part of the overall I guess, learning. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And if you want your brain blown open, anyone who's listening to this, you definitely do want to look up any of the work by Michio Kaku. It is just, it's quite literally out of this world. Um, It's out of many worlds (laughs) at that point. But yeah, physics really is kind of the thing that's backing up a lot of this weird spirituality stuff that we've always kind of known or had observed, but now like physics is actually kind of being like, hey, there's something else kind of up or kind of happening in here. So that's very interesting. So you were talking about kind of um, into the subconscious and into archetypes and all this stuff. And so um, one of the things that that you do, and and I've been working with you on this, you've been facilitating a lot of healing for me um, through something called quantum hypnosis, which kind of smashes those two worlds together you know something about quantum physics which seems like this entire other universe and then hypnosis which seems like it's something completely opposite as well um and so i love bringing two things like that together can you tell people kind of just kind of briefly what is quantum hypnosis so i guess the best way i can describe it is by using an example of regular hypnosis versus quantum hypnosis Regular hypnosis is going to deal with stuff you're dealing with right now in this life, in this incarnation. Sometimes you can start diving into past lives on this planet, and that's about as far as you can go with regular hypnosis. When you get into quantum hypnosis, you start looking at past lives, parallel lives, quantum lives. These are lifetimes outside of this planet, lifetimes outside of this dimension. You're also tapping into multidimensional aspects of yourself that are not of the third dimensional consciousness or that realm. So Mm -hmm. quantum hypnosis takes you out of the time space continuum of the third dimensional matrix that we're in right now and starts looking at the other aspects of you outside of this little tiny bubble. So when Mm -hmm. I take you in and I work on like a core file, typically a core file isn't only connected to this one realm, this one bubble. A core file is something that's connected to you here but also here, 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 and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So say your soul has had a need to integrate a certain experience, emotion, perspective. They will create an aspect of themselves in a dimension, a realm, and format a blueprint, a template, that would design an experience with variability so that you have the opportunity of free choice to to essentially, so before I get too far into that, you're going to be given an opportunity of choices throughout the experience, but it's always going to lead you to an ultimate result. Mm -hmm. So you're still getting, the the free will will thing is almost an illusion Mm -hmm. Um, because you are given choices, but you're still going in the same direction. Yes, that's something I've always really believed. People are like, you know, is is it is 
fate and destiny a thing or is it all free choice? And I'm like, well, it's kind of both. I think there are certain things that you're kind of meant to, there are certain checkpoints you're definitely going to be hitting, but how you go about getting there is kind of your own, choose your own adventure sort of idea. Totally agree. Yeah. So in the realm of making a choice, you're given essentially the template and it's got multiple choices experiences, variabilities. So you have the thought, then you have the experiment, which would be the list of experiences with the variability. And then you have kind of each experience variable as it wraps up and you start observing the outcome. And then once you observe the outcome, you come to a conclusion of the overall initial thought. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of how the soul designs its experience in whatever dimension it's existing in, in that moment. Interesting. Whoa. I'm having my mind blown right now. I know. I'm like, I should have smoked so much weed before this. (laughs) I love it. Hey, it was 420 yesterday. It was. was. Which is also 42. So um, it's interesting. I was thinking about that 42 connected to Saturn. So there could have been a lot of significant lessons that were being integrated during 420. And since weed is something that activates the hippocampus and puts you into a state of deep thought, that being kind of a natural holiday for people to get really baked uh, is almost like a subconscious way of forcing yourself to kind of do an inner journey. Mm-hmm. See, it all lines up. It always does. Right? Plus that solar flare. <laughs> Plus the solar flare. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in kind of your explanation, you were talking about something that you uh, often refer to as a core file. And that's something that um, that came up uh, pretty clearly with me in a lot of my sessions that you've done with me. Um, can, can you tell people kind of what a, what a core file is and why it's important? So core files are most often connected to your archetype. So you're going to look at like the archetypal um, being of the overall collective unconscious. So this could be like a god, a goddess, or a deity that you resonate with um, that kind of represents your personality. So you can take that archetype and you can look at the frequency in which it kind of presents itself through mythology. So if you take the the archetype of Aphrodite, um, and that's somebody that you resonate with um, as a personality. Your core files are going to be surrounded um, based on love, relationships, um, boundaries, self-love, self-worth. So by knowing your own archetype better, you can actually understand your core files better. So if you're somebody who resonates with like Aphrodite as a deity or an archetype of your personality, you could be like, well, I have a lot of problems with relationship. I have a lot of problems with self-love. That's because your core files are connected to that archetype. So the more you can learn about the mythology of the archetype and how they kind of transcended through the energies, transmuting them. So you could look at even mythological relationships within those beings and other beings and learn from them. Like say, like she was abused by this person. What can you learn from that relationship? How can you see a red flag maybe where that has repeated in your life in a relationship? And this is how you start becoming aware of how that is a core file that is essentially expressing itself into your reality. Once you're aware of it, you get to change it. It's simply just that base template. It's like the base frequency soon as you know what the base frequency is, you can transform it. Whoa, that's really rad. I love that. I'm thinking of the archetype uh, Lilith for myself. She is conjunct my son in my natal chart. So I feel a lot of Lilith stuff that has played out through my life. And I want to book a session with you now. <laughs> well, you definitely should. And Lilith is a very powerful archetype to resonate with. This is, um, these, are, these are women who are not afraid of the shadows. These are women who want to empower other women through healing themselves. So typically, if you resonate with the archetype of, of Lilith, 
you will have had a lot of traumatic experiences, um, especially from other men, like inflicting stuff onto you. And as you kind of go back, heal yourself from those experiences, transmute them, you can take that healing and it's like a ripple effect. It kind of starts reverberating out throughout the whole collective unconscious of the whole feminine. Anybody who mm. connects to that archetype is being healed through your own self-healing. That is beautiful. I love that. And it's so interesting too, because I find that while you're taking me through this process of, you know, quantum hypnosis and we're kind of diving into, you know, what's what's really happening in there, you know, with the core file or whatever, it connects so many dots that I had no idea like, oh, that comes from over there, which came from over here. And once you know about it, you're like, oh, duh, I should have seen that all along. But you you really don't. And you're like, oh, that's why I feel this way. Or that's why I have this fear. Or that's why I think my future is going to go this way. Or um, so, yeah, it it definitely changes a lot of things when you're able to actually see it clearly. And then you kind of have a degree of control over it. Yeah, that first step is conscious awareness. As soon as you know and can see it, you can change it. I love that. So one of the other things that we talk about a little bit, something that is kind of prevalent in our family as well, is this, this ability to channel, which is something that I am... I am trying not to be a channeler, but the, especially very recently, more and more things have been showing up that are like, but you need to. And I'm like, but I don't want to. Um, so as, as someone who, who has this ability, uh, how does this affect the process of quantum hypnosis for you? Or like, how do you, do you integrate that in or, or does it, is it a tool that you use um, while you do this? Um, definitely a tool that I use. I've integrated it into my practice a lot um, in ways that I found that it has been ultimately more beneficial if I used my abilities than if I didn't, because I'm able to pull in downloads of information as I'm taking you through your journey. And even sometimes um, when I'm winging it, if I'm, if I'm t- walking you through a journey and I'm not on a script and I can close my eyes, I can actually see things kind of appear before me and walk you through that scenario. And most of the times they'll be like, oh, I was already kind of seeing that before you even started describing it. So Mm -hmm. it's like almost like a form of thought sharing where as I kind of go into that more quantum state or liminal state, I don't, it's more of an in-between state because I'm not in a specific place Mm -hmm. at all. I'm just kind of floating and waiting for a hook to grab. Mm -hmm. So as I'm walking you through maybe a scene or an experience and I'm able to close my eyes, I, I can get like imagery. I'll see a tree or I'll see an airplane or I'll see a table or I'll see a book and I can use whatever I see to kind of develop more for you, um, which helps immerse you deeper into the experience. The deeper I can immerse you into the experience, the more you can feel, see, hear and experience yourself. Absolutely. And it is really interesting because sometimes you will like I, I you will either like say things like right before I or, or, or like um, you'll, you'll kind of talk about things that I'm seeing that I haven't necessarily told you about. Or it's, it's very much like having you there with me, which is mm-hmm. really nice because I don't feel like I'm going on this, you know, journey alone. I very much feel your presence there and around me. And I know that you're kind of going through it with me um, when, when people when people ask me what it's about I, or kind of like what it's like to, to experience it, I always say it's, it's not very like, you know, your stereotypical, you know, hypnosis sort of a thing. Yeah. It's very much like kind of like a guided meditation, but at the same time too. And I know that this was technically like a, a horror movie. It's not like that, but um, there was a Jennifer Lopez movie that I absolutely love. Cause I love JLo um, called <laughs> the cell. And it's very much sort of like that, where it's kind of journeying through the subconscious. Of course, she was in the subconscious of serial killers looking for evidence, but it's but kind of the experience of sort of just kind of being walked through mm-hmm. a foreign place with somebody um, who's guiding you. It's it's very much like that. And 
I, I think, a, do, do you find a lot of people are kind of surprised by the landscape of their subconscious? Like they're like, I didn't know that was even in there. <laughs> it's definitely a surprise for people when they start seeing, experiencing things. One of the biggest restrictions I get with people is they second guess, like, if that's just my imagination, I'm like, just let your imagination go. Just mm-hmm. let it create, like, if you want to see a three-headed dinosaur, go ahead and see a three-headed dinosaur. I want you to see whatever you want to see. Because it's through really releasing the resistance that you're able to pierce the linear time space continuum and start moving into quantum states. As long as you hold that linear perspective and you don't want to allow yourself to traverse across it, you're basically going to kind of go back into stuff that's very much related to this life, this lifetime, everything. And and I do use alchemy, which helps a lot. So people who are resistant tend to kind of go into a trance through the alchemy that I use just because it's, it's a, it's a form of energy that relaxes you Plus, I start kind of doing work. Um, mm-hmm. So if you have like frayed energy that's kind of chaotic and flinging around here, I start pulling it in and bringing it in and bringing it into a nice compact. So that's not distracting you anymore. And so mm-hmm. you can immerse yourself deeper into a journey without having all of this going on around you. I just kind of take care of it for you. So that's yeah. one of the benefits of being able to use channeling, alchemy, and other forms of techniques that I use. Like I use Ericksonian methodology where I'll ask you a lot of questions so that you can basically formulate stuff inside your mind based on your own perspective. Yeah. I like that too. And I noticed too, like even like when you're doing induction and and stuff like that, it's, it's very rarely like a, now you are relaxed. It's very much kind of like, you know, what if you were relaxed? Like, what, what would it feel like to just not be super stressed out. And then like, then that very much lets me sort of feel behind the wheel of it a little bit, which is very nice, especially if people are like worried that like, you know, I, I think our, our classic sort of stereotype of hypnosis is that it's very, um, it's very intrusive. It's very like someone takes over or whatever. And that's very much not what's happening here. You're just kind of like, you're, you're just kind of steering the boat a little bit and we're just kind of heading off into the water. And, and I, I like that process a lot better. Well, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I am simply the facilitator. Um, I never take over anyone's mind or body when I'm doing any kind of programming work. It's all p- positive, like, commands basically that you integrate through your own experience and awareness it's like you're going to love yourself more and you're going to believe in yourself more it's just me basically like encouraging you that's all neuro-linguistic programming is it's using the right words the right terminology and the right energy to instigate a program so for me I use encouraging energy and I always wait till the very very end to do the NLP work That way, if you go really, really deep, I have the chance to pull you out and get you into that upper theta brainwave state, which is highly a programmable state. This is the state that like little children are in. This is why you can program them so easily with your belief systems and whatever. (laughs) Um, When I get you, so I pull you, a lot of times I'll, if if you're really deep, I'll I'll even let you know, like I'm going to bring you back into your body, but before I bring you all the way back, so you just kind of hang in there. Um, then I'll be like, I want you to feel yourself stepping onto this more abundant path as, you know, and I just kind of instigate, like, you are creating your reality now through your own self-love, through the stuff that you magnetically draw in. So you're taking responsibility for your reality, for your future, and for your healing, while also being encouraged, motivated, and affirmed that you are that. Mm. absolutely and let me tell you i felt so much taller after my first session you have no idea (laughs) for sure so as a person you know doing this work what is it like for you to be able to offer this to the community and and have you found your own healing through helping others i definitely have and it was a little bit of a rough start. So I started doing hypnosis uh, about three and three and a half years ago, I want to say, maybe three. About that is when I started. And the first year, I was doing it all for free. And it was really, really hard because 
I couldn't connect with people. People weren't taking it seriously. And it was becoming really draining for me. I wasn't able to get um, people to go under. So I stopped taking clients for a whole year and took like nine more courses on hypnosis. So I did like inductions mastery. I even learned like rapid hypnosis, stage hypnosis, because I wanted to know the difference between all the different types of hypnosis. So the only way I could know the difference was by learning each one. So I learned quantum hypnosis. I learned past life regression. I learned um, quantum life regression, which, parallel quantum life regression, which is like the quantum hypnosis, but it was like two different courses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I also learned the aura, which is the universal angelic Reiki one, which I learned. I mean, I went through the course and it just, it, it didn't really fit with, what I do, it's similar to what I do, but it was just, um, it was based off an alchemical system that I didn't resonate with. So I was just like, eh, I'm not going to do this. I, I have already kind of been working with the stuff that my higher self has been giving me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a whole lot of earth mentors when it comes to alchemy. I have one. And, and that's the only person I've really been able to work with. Other than that, it's like all my training has been pretty much astral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and this kind of brings in something interesting too, is, you, you know, go, going through this work and getting to know you and stuff, I, I always kind of shy away from any of this, anything that seems sort of new age or any of that, because it's so like love and light and it's like toxic positivity and all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. I, that I find it so refreshing that, you know, in the work that we do, you know, we do go into the dark shadowy places. And if you're a person who's like, I, I don't want to do this type of work with her because I'm afraid, you know, oh God, we're going to open up that scary box in the dark corner and see what comes out of it, my subconscious. And we have opened that dark, scary box in that weird corner. Yeah, I opened the Pandora's box. Right, we opened the box and you know what? It's actually fine. And it's, it's very gentle and loving, but, you know, in, in such a, a love and light community, and your with your willingness to go into the shadow and into the darkness is does that has that made finding your place in the dif- in the community difficult or or have you felt kind of othered in that sense? Very much. Yeah. Um, it's been really hard. That's I guess been the hardest thing about this whole journey for me is finding a community that is accepting. So a lot of times the communities I get into they're accepting for a short period of time. Um, and then they start getting to know my dark side a little better and they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of the universe telling me that you need to keep expressing that part of you because as you trigger and show people that you can be both, mm-hmm. that you're showing them that it's okay to like not stuff those parts of you down into the shadow. This is, this is why people deal with demonic possessions attacks, psychic attacks, any of that, if you're not willing to work on your shadow, if you're not willing to dive into the the wounds that you carry in your body, you're never going to fully be clear of darker influence and darker entities, attachments, anything. Just the weight, the density of holding that is painful and it makes you sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to pull it out and heal it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm not your typical healer either. A lot of times they'll be like, okay, we're going to pull this out and it's gone. That's not healing. That's simply becoming aware that there was something there. You actually have to become aware of it and then you have to take it. You have to, you have to feel it. You have to understand the lesson that was meant to be learned because everything happens for a reason, even the most traumatic, horrifying, terrible things that you could imagine. They happen for the perspective of our, of our soul, and we just simply are the experience. Mm-hmm. So if you can take the negative and be like, well, this good thing wouldn't have happened if that bad thing hadn't happened first. If you can take yourself mm-hmm. into that place, then you're neutralizing, you're alchemizing mm-hmm. that trauma that was keeping you at this frequency and you're all of a sudden going and you're expanding it into a whole new frequency Mm -hmm. I feel that I think about um like we were talking about Lilith a little while ago 
um, some of my, I guess I'll just use air quotes here, some of my Lilith archetype experiences and the trauma around that and the healing work that I have done, I've taken it, yeah, and alchemized it and like transformed it into like this whole other thing. It takes this whole other shape. So there's like a part of me, as fucked up as this might sound, where it's like eventually my traumatic experiences become like a blessing. Exactly. That allow me to like help other people, to empathize with other people because I know I'm not alone in it and it allows me to like, yeah, work with other folks. Oh no, yeah. that's totally true. And that's also why I found that I tend to self-sabotage sometimes so that I can immerse myself into shadow because through that immersion, I know that I can always pull myself back out and mm. it's through po- the pulling of the back out after the immersion that creates the expansion, which draws in people who also had the similar experience and need the help. So as you heal and clear the wounds within your body, you become acquaintances entangled with energetic people experiences that can come, come in and reaffirm your healing and also trigger healing for them. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I had a, I had a coaching recently with a woman who um, had gone through a really intense, just devout Mormon upbringing and had then kind of switched over to paganism and is getting to the spirituality and all of this. And she's found, you know, this wonderful new world. However, she's beginning to realize that from all of those years of having people pray over her and laying of hands upon her and all of these things that she felt like she had this like cocoon of like, almost like magic, you know, like prayers, spells, laying off of hands, uh, you know, mm-hmm. all, all around them. And that was really keeping them from being able to experience the spiritual things in the way that they needed to. They, they felt very sort of like insulated and restricted by it. And I, when, when people come to me with these issues, I, I find a lot of the time they're expecting me to say, well, light a black candle and say these words and it'll be gone. But my, my response to her, and, and I think it kind of surprised her was, um, you know, well, w- first of all, we need to sit with it. We need to look at it and realize that they, they did that to you, not out of, you know, being malicious. They did that to you because they felt it was something that you needed and that it was there to protect you and make sure that you went to what they thought, you know, is heaven and, and all of this stuff. Like, like it, there was good, there was goodness behind it, but it's, it's no longer something that you need. And at the time too, you, you allowed it because you thought it was something that you needed too. And so like kind of coming into this, like really being able to sit with it and really kind of see the truth in it and notice that there is beauty in, in something that might've been traumatic for us, but what, but at the same time, having it not be a betrayal of our past selves too. Um, is something that kind of Nadia Bowles-Weber talks about with her Christian upbringing, kind of like, you know, the things that were done to her, it was from a good place. It was still messed up. Um, and But we can hold space for both. And then once we have that space for both, then we can truly see it and undo it at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. That, that full understanding of it. So neat. Definitely. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit here because there's something else that you do that I'm really I love talking about it because it's interesting um, and it's not something that a lot of people talk about now let me tell you when I first heard that you were doing something called light language I went onto YouTube and I found a bunch of really crazy people (laughs) who are into way too much new age stuff and I was like oh I'm worried I'm worried but then I found yours and um, watched you do it and even, you know, miles and miles away, watching a, an old YouTube recording of you doing light language, um, I could feel things moving, things were happening. And, and I do find too, when I'm around people who are really, really actually channeling, um, their energy goes like up, like they get very tall when it happens. And that was all stuff that, that was happening with you. So I was like, okay this is a real thing and now I need to know about it. Can you tell people about light language? So light language is really powerful 
It can be used in a lot of different ways. It can be used as a healing aspect, a, a modality. It can be used as a form of communication. And it can also be used on a more quantum scale. So working with like the DNA, because everything is activated and works through sound frequency and light. So light language is kind of a development of sound frequency and light kind of coming through a vessel. So when I bring through a language, it's essentially like getting a download, a packet of information, and my body processes it through sound frequency and light, which comes out in the form of a language. So the language is based on feeling versus thinking. So if you want to go back to like the timelines of Lemuria, how they would communicate and how they would heal and how they would connect with spirit was all through feeling. They didn't have a specific language. They spoke language of light because it was, it was through the expression. They, they expressed through the womb and through the heart. And that is how they would communicate with each other. They wouldn't communicate with each other through words. They would just communicate with each other through feeling. And it would come out like a song or, you know, like different, different types of words. So one of the things I started doing when I started learning more about light language was, well, every frequency, sound, vowel tone is connected to, you know, like a ray, a rainbow, like if you want to look at the, the spectrums of light. So you can look at different tones, vowel sounds within the languages themselves that affect and activate and work with different chakras and energy systems. So say you're working with like, the root chakra. Let's just use the root chakra as an example. So the root chakra holds a lot of more of that primal, primordial energy. So typically when I'm working with that energy, uh, the language that comes out can be very aggressive, almost forceful. Uh, typically I'll connect with dragon energy, dragon elementals to bring through the language. So it'll sound very gruff. You know, <laughs> it makes my voice raspy sometimes when I do that. And then one of the other things that also comes through is you work a lot with more of that primordial serpent energy. So it'll be very, a lot of this mm. sound. Um, and then as you move up into higher, higher, higher chakras, like when I get up high into the higher chakras, my voice gets higher. I kind of get all like sing-songy and hyper. And you can tell like the energy completely shifts from being very kind of more aggressive and forceful. And like, we're going to clear some stuff, like get you grounded. Like, it's like bringing in, in the dragon to, like, sit you down and get you straightened out. And then when we get to the top of your head, you're, like, in music class with the teacher who sings like a Disney princess, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so neat. And it, it, it does make a lot of sense. You know, we, we think of energy as just kind of this very nebulous concept, but in order for us to interact with us in our earthly ways, it, it comes through in so many different ways, whether it's like you're talking about, you know, light is, is energy, you know, color is energy, sound, um, heat, temperature, all those things are expressions of energy. Um, so that's very, very interesting. All well, right, so you mentioned like the colors and the heat. So when I'm channeling the light language, it's not just the language itself that I'm using to decode information. A lot of times like my eyes will be closed, so I'm seeing colors and I'm using that as information. So if I'm feeling something in my solar plexus, but I'm seeing purple, I'm like, okay, so whatever these codes are that are coming through are connected to activating the intuition so that you can connect more to your wisdom. Because I'm like looking at how do these energy centers interact and why are these mm. codes coming through in purple and why am I feeling it in my solar plexus? So by taking that, so I'm using feeling. Mm. I'm also using the sight, my clairsight. And then I'm using my intuition, my, my sense of knowing to kind of decode the information. Sometimes I'll get a word. Like I'll, I'll be bringing through information and then I'll get a word like, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> Sometimes I'll get, you know, a name of a star. I've got a name of a star before where I'll be bringing codes and I'll be like Alnitak. And I'm like, well, I guess if you resonate with the planet Alnitak and this is something that you connect with as a star seed, these codes are probably meant for you. And I'm just kind of vesseling them through you. So a lot of times, like when I do live channeling, I'll kind of open up the floor to like the frequencies and I kind of like observe them. So what it looks like to me is just different colors kind of everywhere. 
And then I can hear different languages kind of filtering in and out of my head, almost like if you had a radio and you were kind of flipping between channels. So I'll mm-hmm. hear this one and I'll kind of feel it out and I'll be like, well, this feels like it's going to work with this. And then I'll have like one kind of coming forward to me and I'll be like, well, that feels like it's going to work with this. And then I'll just kind of like pick and choose depending on where I am energetically through the channeling session, what I'm bringing through. If I have a specific intention for healing, like say I'm working with the heart, like I'll specifically pick frequencies that are connected to working with the heart and bring those through the language. When I do those, it's a lot of ahs. It's a lot of very soft, feminine, nurturing sounds. So it's like, <laughs> depending on what language is coming through, you can kind of get an idea of what we're working with. Yeah, that sort of like total sensory experience of it, whether it's color or sound or any yeah. of that. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Okay, so we're kind of coming in here for a landing. Now, something I always like to ask channelers, because because when we channel higher beings, I, I find that it's not just... They're they're not just interested in in us and helping you know us individually, but they tend to also very much be concerned about all of humanity and and all of all of us in general. So, have you ever channeled channeled a message from higher spirits that you felt was for all of humanity? That's a great question. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to actually refer back to one of our more recent sessions when we were kind of discussing about the family curse. Uh-huh. Um, I had gone into the Akashic Records because it had piqued my curiosity uh, to kind of talk to my higher self and look through my book to try to understand more about how that could be um, working in my life just because I've had so many problems with relationships. Right. <laughs> so the first thing I asked was like, why, why do we have this curse? And it was just kind of like the, the answer I got was like, what? Curse? No, <laughs> you got that all wrong. <laughs> I was like, okay, so kind of explain that to me more. And um, I had written out this statement because sometimes I channel through writing. If I can't like fully integrate what's coming through, like I'm hearing too many things at once, I'll just start trying to write it out. Mm -hmm. And then I can kind of filter through the thought and write out the full sentence. So basically what I was told was what we can perceive as a curse, bad karma, whatever, a bad experience or something bad that's happened to us or something bad that's happened to our family, what we can perceive is, oh, that's something bad that was done to us. But what it really is, and this is not something that everybody's going to agree with, but it was something that I had to come to a stark realization of, but what it is is actually a blessing. Mm -hmm. It was a gift given to that family or that person in order to make them stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of what we were talking about earlier, transmuting that pain. Yeah. That's kind of similar. Yeah. Fascinating. That is interesting. And that does make a lot of sense too, especially given, you know, this idea of, you know, fate and destiny and making sure that, you know, even the bad things are in place where they need to be in order to make sure that we get to where we're supposed to go. And for, for those of you who, who may not be aware, our family is magical to the extent that we have like a full family curse or, or as we're reframing it, a family <laughs> blessing that is yeah. making sure that we're strong. It's all very practical magic. I will have a memoir one day and you can hear all about it. Um, but yes, I do love that, that sometimes, you know, these these bad things that happen can also be blessings. Now, of course, you know, that's not always going to hold true for everybody. Not everyone's going to, to run with that idea, but um, sometimes being able to reframe it will help us kind of reclaim it. And one of my most favorite quotes is from one of my most favorite movies where they just have this moment where they say something about how like everyone has angels and they will shout through demons if they have to, in order to get us to, where we need to be, um, which I, which I think is, is important to kind of think about a little bit. Yeah. If you're not listening to the angels, they just tap on your shoulder. They're real nice. But if you don't listen, (laughs) they'll send the demon to throw a truck in front of you so that you will learn your lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. All right, Nadine. So where can people find you if they're interested in your services or your products? You also make wonderful crystal infused oils and 
and they all smell wonderful. I wear your divine masculine as like a cologne because it smells delicious. It's like this Armani thing. I don't know what's happening. Where can they find you? Where, they, where can they support you? Get all of your stuff. So currently all my oils and sprays are not available because I'm moving. So I took them all down off the shop. Right now I only have readings available. And I just recently renewed all those listings because I got behind. I had to I had to get a new phone because I got so many that I the upload times in between was like putting me back. But so now that I have my new phone, I should be able to catch up on those. I renewed a bunch of listings. Right now that's all that's available in my shop. My shop is on Etsy. It's the Fascinating Fairy. And late May the oils and the sprays should be available again. Also, I do soy wax candles. I do wire wrap jewelry and organites. Yes, and beautiful organites and beautiful crystal jewelry. It's it's all wonderful. So, and this, we're actually probably about 10 weeks-ish out from this airing. So by then you should probably have everything ready to go. So you will, you have plenty of time. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, and you, yeah, I would, everybody can find your stuff in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah and then um, you can find me on YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is, is it still the Fascinating Fairy on YouTube? Yes. Perfect. We will make awesome. sure to include all those links. And do you awesome. do Twitter or Instagram? I do Instagram. I don't do Twitter. I don't really do Facebook. Um, and I don't do a lot of posting on Instagram. I mostly just use it as a messaging platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nadine. I am so proud of you and all the work that you are doing. Thank you so much for talking with us and blowing our minds with some quantum physics. Uh, Love it. So have a wonderful day. And everyone out there, remember to... Do witchcraft. Do it. (laughs) Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.